Turn over in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26. We're going to uh, do two chapters today. No, not really. But uh, we're just going to do the last section in chapter 26 and the first section in 27. As we look at some failures. And um, I think that uh, it's interesting if, if you go to school, um, and some of you haven't been to school in a long while and you're happy about it, um, you get grades, and in school you get grades. You get an A, uh, you know, you're amazing and all that other stuff. You get A's, and a B's still pretty good, right? C is um, C's okay. It's okay. It's not a B or an A. And D's, it's too close for comfort. It wasn't satisfactory, but you can still move on. And then it goes A, B, C, D, E, right? You get an E. Uh, no, you get an F. You get an F. And F stands out for that word uh, fail or failure. Um, and I, I find it always interesting that it it holds all kinds of like, it, it brings up all these anxious thoughts. Those of you who struggled in school that don't go to school anymore and you're glad about it, just the mere me bringing that up kind of brings back bad memories, Right progress reports and all that stuff, not living up to your potential and all those other mean things that the teachers uh, say to your parents. Uh, but that F, that idea of being a failure, that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, and some of you say, well, I, I won't have anything to talk about because I, I was never a failure in school. I was a straight A student. Um, we're not talking about school here. Uh, it's Sunday morning. Uh, we're talking about life. Uh, we're talking about um, two men, really, two men who both were failures. And so um, if you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you the section that we're going to go through this morning. Matthew chapter 26, starting at verse 69. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, God's word says this. Now, now, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard and a servant girl came up to him and said, You also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it uh, before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out uh, to the entrance, another servant girl saw him. And she said to the bystanders, This, was a man, uh, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, uh, and again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. After a little while, the, uh, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, certainly you too are one of, uh, one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. When the morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And they bound him and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate, the governor. Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw 
that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought uh, back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver in the temple, he departed and he went and hanged himself. But the chief priest, taking the pieces of silver, said, it's not lawful uh, to put them in the treasury since it is blood money. So they took uh, counsel and, and bought with them the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. Therefore, the field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken to the prophet Jeremiah, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him, on whom a price had been set by some of the sons of Israel. And they gave them, uh, they gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord directed me. God, we ask your blessing on your word. We ask that you would challenge our hearts uh, that from these two men that were uh, awful failures. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Two failures. Uh, we start out with Peter. And uh, if you've been with us as part of our study, uh, you've seen you've seen the f failings of Peter. Uh, that he is one who is, like many of us, a big talker. Our talk is better than our game. We uh, are ones that like to make loud professions. We like to uh, wear a label. We like to grant ourselves greatness. But when it actually comes to the things of this life and the things that we've done, uh, we find ourselves coming up short. Peter was a big talker. If you remember back in chapter 26, uh, we already have looked. If you, if you look at uh, chapter 26, you, you see the time where Jesus had Passover with his disciples. And that uh, at that time where he was at that last supper, that Jesus, uh, that he at, at that meal that where they were together, he said, he said this, he said, one of you is going to betray me. And Peter immediately, he sees himself and he says, it's not going to be me. Um, and Jesus now gets into a dialogue with Peter and he says, uh, yeah, you, you're not the betrayer I'm talking about, but uh, you, you know, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And, and Peter uh, vehemently, he says, no way, that, there's no way that's going to happen. I would, I would go to death with you before I would deny you. This was Jesus' big talk. And maybe this morning, uh, some of you uh, feel like that. You say, well, you know, I would never deny Christ. I, I would never be that guy. Um, as, you, as you think about that, I hope that that's your heart. I hope that as you think about your life right now, um, and you think about even this next week, that you're going into it saying, I will not be the one that denies Christ. I will not be the one that turns my back on my Savior. I want to remind you also um, that in, in the same time as Jesus dialogued with Peter, <coughs> he said this, he said that he was going to pray for him, that his faith would not fail. Um, 
we will see that in the chapters to come and really the life of Peter to come, that his faith would not fail, um, that God, uh, that Jesus himself was uh, with him and was encouraging him and was not, this wasn't a final day for Peter. I want to remind you also that Peter was a fighter, was a fighter, that he drew his sword in protection of Jesus. They were at the Last Supper, and then they went to the garden. And in that garden time, when Judas comes to betray Christ, uh, what does Peter do? He draws his sword, and he's going to take on everybody, all comers. He, he thinks that he can protect Jesus. And uh, Jesus reminds him that uh, if he needed, legions of angels could come and be his protector, that he didn't need Peter or anybody else to protect him. Peter was willing to draw his sword. Uh, Peter was willing to speak uh, to Jesus about um, his commitment to him. But then we come to this passage that we're going to read this morning, or that, that I've already read this morning. So you have Peter now. Uh, Jesus is presumably in the house. Uh, he is with the council, probably the 70 or a portion of the 70. Uh, they are, have been there through the night, and they are um, going through, and they have heard him, and, and the charge of blasphemy, and blasphemy worthy of death is what they're working on uh, at this time. And Peter is in this courtyard, or this outer area of this home. And as we see him, it says this, he was, Peter is out in the courtyard, a servant girl came up to him. Now, um, I, I don't know, we don't know exactly how old this servant girl was. Let's assume she's in middle school, okay? Um, she's 11, 12, 13. Let's just assume that. Now, um, as a man, as a man, if you can picture yourself as a man, 30-year-old man, somewhere in there, um, who are you intimidated by in the world? Who are the people that you're intimidated by? And some of you say, well, uh, girls, 11, 12, 13. That would be pretty intimidating. No, I, I realize that if, if I had you teach a middle school Bible study this next week, that might be a little frightening for you. But the idea of being intimidated by a, a little servant girl, and, and as we get that, we get she's, she's a girl. She's a servant. You know, so you got she's a young female servant girl. Okay, this is not someone of social stature. This is, they didn't say that this is a Roman guard. It doesn't say that this is the police of the day. It doesn't say even the religious leaders of the day came. It says a servant girl uh, comes up to Peter. And this is what happens. Uh, she she questions him or she makes a statement regarding him. She says, you also were with Jesus, the Galilean. And you look at verse 70, you see, this is denial one, denial one, verse 70, but he denied it uh, before them all saying, I do not know what you mean. I do not know what you mean. And what you're going to see here is Peter's denials get worse and worse. Now, that's his first denial. Bad enough. I don't know what you mean. Um, if 
Peter was not going to deny Christ. Someone was going to say, you're with Jesus. And he looks him in the aisle and a smile comes on his face and he says, yes, I am. Yes, I am. That would have been victory that day for Peter. But it wasn't. It was a denial. He denied what she was talking about. She didn't. Uh, what he was saying was, I'm not connected with that guy, whoever's inside. I don't know what you're talking about. That was denial one. It goes on, um, and these come just one right after the other as Matthew records them. Um, it says this in verse 71, and he went out to the entrance, and another girl, servant girl saw him, um, and she said to the bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And, and what you have now is Peter withdrawing a few steps, going out towards the entrance. Another servant girl, or that's the assumption that this is another one. Once again, this intimidating, big 11, 12, 13-year-old girl who's a servant comes and says, yeah, this, this guy was with Jesus of Nazareth. And we see once again that it steps up his denial um, in verse 72. And again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. I do not know the man. And so now it's like um, going from uh, going from just uh, a generic denial to something with an oath, something somewhere between... Uh, yeah, I promise. I promise that I wasn't with him. I promise that I wasn't with him. And that wasn't true, right? That, that wasn't true. That now he's going over. And even the idea part of Jesus' um, teaching was let your yes be yes and your no be no. Once again, he could have said, you know, you're right. You're right. You're right. I, I, I am with Jesus. I am with Jesus. I've been with him. You should have heard his teaching you should know this man. This man is being uh, falsely accused. And if he goes to the cross, that would be injustice because there is a great man. He is God come of us. He is the new king. That's what Peter could have said, and that would have been victory that day. But what he said was something different. He denied it with an oath. Which brings us uh, to... Um, we see in verse 73, and after a little while, the bystanders came up and said to, uh, said to Peter, certainly you two are one of them, for your accent betrays you. What they're saying is that uh, you're not from around these parts, and we can tell by the way you talk. You know, if uh, I don't know if you've been to different parts of the world, but you can tell where someone grew up usually. Uh, some people have told me that I, I, I grew up by the beach because of the way I talk, and I, that's offensive to me, but it's also true. Uh, um, and, and some of you, you know, you know, grow up in Texas, you say y'all at weird times and stuff like that. Uh, you, you know, you, from the Northeast, there's a proper, you know, from the South, who knows what you're talking about when you're from the South, you know, you, there's all kinds of words that, you know, why come and stuff like that. And uh, uh, you could tell by where they, where they are. And what they were connecting was, you're not from around here. We can tell by your accent. 
And so we look at this and we see uh, Peter once again is put on the spot. And this is, was his response. Then, then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. I do not know the man. And as you, uh, you, you see this, he, he started with just a denial. And then he had a denial with a promise, if you will. And now there's a denial of even knowing him with cursing him. We, we don't know if the curse was on himself or as it implies in the ESV translation or, or with he, he was just saying out words. And let, me, let me take a time out here for a minute. Um, I, I want to encourage you about the way we speak. Uh, there's a coarsening of our culture going on. And uh, what Peter did here is something that we're doing in our culture all the time. You can't just say the truth anymore. You have to use strong language with it. And I want to tell you, that's not what God's people do. Um, I, I see it on the news all the time. I, I read it in, in papers. Uh, people post stuff on Facebook. And you, to really get your point across, you have to use a four-letter word. To really make a point. And I just want to just take this moment to say this isn't what God's people do. I know some of you think that because of your occupation and who you work with, that's what you have to do. You don't. You don't. It's not true. And you watch what Peter was doing uh, because of his insecurity, because of uh, him being put on the spot. He feels like he has to say something strongly. And it's just a cover-up for his own wrong actions. I want to tell you, when you do that, that's what you're doing. I remember uh, watching a comedian when I was in college. And uh, they were telling jokes. And uh, it was a live performance at a college. And, uh, and I was watching this, and, and they were telling jokes. And they were trying to be funny. They were trying to be funny. And when their jokes didn't work, they just started uh, spewing profanities and going into perversion. What they were doing was, this is going to save me. This is going to save me up here. I want to tell you, this is not what believers do. We say the truth. We speak the truth. And we, we honor the Lord with our words. And even Peter uh, failed in this way. You know what he did? He decided, to, I, I got to be strong about this. And so I add the cursing to it. Um, back to the passage. That was my time out. As we look at this passage, um, I want you to see this, that uh, he comes to this third denial and he denies the Lord this third time. And then in the middle of verse 74, it says this, and immediately the rooster crowed. Immediately the rooster crowed. Um, sometimes when you take a test, uh, it, or you turn in a paper for school, it takes a long time for the teacher to grade it. Um, I, I took a test one time. Uh, some of you have taken these type of tests before, too. You take them on a computer. It was an insurance deal, and it was a long test. I studied hard for it. And the minute I hit the last enter on the test, it says, pops up, pass or fail. It's immediate response, right? Um, 
when you pass, it's good to get that, right? You're like, yes, I worked really hard. And, and, but Peter, chances are he hadn't slept a whole lot that night. You know, the activities going from the, the dinner to the garden to now the courtyard. He'd been there. It's, it's in the morning. We get the time marker in the next verses. But you see this, that he, he'd been up a while. And, and then the rooster crows. This morning I was laying in bed. It was probably 4.30 in the morning. I don't know why I was awake. It's because the, the moon was out really bright last night. That was a double duty, right? You know, getting the hour taken away and the moon. and all. So I'm laying there, and I hear someone's rooster crowing. And I thought, isn't that great? Get to preach on that. It wasn't close. It doesn't bother me, but uh, I just smiled to myself. What would it have been like for Peter? He fails. He fails. He, he fails. And, then the ro- and immediately he hears that rooster crow. And it draws him from that moment in time to the night before. The conversation where Jesus says, before the rooster crows. He had, uh, th- there was an assumption that the rooster would crow four, five, six o'clock in the morning, right? Because that's when, I don't know what that is. I haven't studied roosters. I just know they do it until you go, and then they don't do it anymore. Um, That rooster crowed, and it didn't mean anything to anybody except for Peter. And, And immediately he goes from living in the moment to now knowing who he is and if he looked on his test, what did it say? F for failure. The rooster crows. Um, it says that, and Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And it says this, and he went out and wept bitterly. He went out and wept bitterly. Why did he weep bitterly? Because he knew. He knew who he was. He had seen the, the tendency or the, what was going on in his heart, and it was clear to him in that moment that his words and even the idea of his warrior instinct, that that was not who he was, but who he was was a failure of Christ. Failure of Christ. We'll just leave that right there and uh, we'll move on. And I want to show you something else. <coughs> Actually, let, let, let's talk about this just briefly and then we'll, we'll come back to it again. Uh, you, you can look this up later. I'll give you the marker. But John 21, John tw- 21 tells of uh, a conversation between Jesus and Peter a- after this time. Uh, Book of Matthew doesn't record it, but John does. And it's this conversation where Jesus is going to Peter and he's, he's calling on him to be his minister, to feed his sheep. And they have this going back and forth even three times, interestingly enough, three times denial, three times a question from Jesus. And, and, and you see this as Jesus dialing in once again to Peter, having a, a personal conversation and he it's as if he says to Peter, Peter, you failure, you failure. You, you remember you, you're, you're the one that failed me. But he says, feed my sheep. 
And, and you, you can feel that, right? You can say, well, shouldn't you call on someone else, Jesus? And yeah, I'll feed your sheep. Oh, but maybe I'm that guy. Remember I said I'd do this before and this back and forth in your own heart. I, I, I want to serve you, but I'm not worthy to serve you. And I don't know, and you know, and, and just back and forth. And I want to tell you this, that Jesus uh, calls on him to feed his sheep even after he fails. And if you look at the course of Peter's life and what happens in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, his writings in First and Second Peter, you see this, that Peter had incredible in, uh, impact for the kingdom of God. That God used Peter greatly after this denial, after this denial. Well, let's move on. Chapter 27, uh, we, we have this uh, little uh, time stamp, if you will, where it says, The morning came and all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. The idea there being this, they end the Jewish trial. Uh, maybe even others had come by this time in the morning of the 70, and may, maybe they had a quorum or a, a, even all of them were there, and they all... Con- condemned him and convicted him of being guilty. And they are now taking him, taking him from this Jewish trial to hand him over to the Romans. It goes on to say, uh, uh, they put him to death and they bound him and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate, the governor. Pilate, the Roman governor. Governor, okay? Just think Pilate, the Roman, from this point has been Jewish. And so now he's handing over this next section here, and we'll just deal with this briefly, uh, is our second failure, uh, Judas the failure. Remember that uh, Judas and at, at that same supper, Judas kind of had a conversation with Jesus. It was less words spoken. It was more an understanding that Jesus knew what was already in Judas's heart, and he knew what was going to happen next. Uh, This is all that was happening, once again, from the same supper. Um, Judas, in in verse 3, it says, Judas, his betrayer, uh, saw that Jesus was condemned, and he changed his mind and brought back 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. As, As at first glance, and even in our translation, the idea of changing mind should be, even some translations take it as repented. Uh, Judas repented. And, and it, as I say that word, it should quickly go in your mind, wait, repentance is what it is to be saved. Uh, a different word there. I want to tell you, it's a similar word, but one used just a couple of places and this one being different than those that are of salvation. Judas saw what had happened and what he looked at, it was that classic buyer's remorse, right? He was looking at his pieces of silver and he said, oh, I didn't like what I just did right there. It's not worth it to me, the 30 pieces of silver, what I've created over here. I've created a mess. And so he goes, I got the receipt. I'm going to go up to the customer service. And I'm going to exchange it back again and get this back. I'm going to undo what I have done. The uh, chief priests and the elders, uh, as they heard this, it says that they said, what is this to us? See to it yourself. See to it yourself, meaning uh, we're happy with what we did. 
We're happy with the bargain that we made. Uh, you keep your money, we'll keep Jesus and continue on in the process. We see in this that Jesus, <coughs> excuse me, um, that, that as, as this comes to a, a close, uh, it, it says that he threw down the pieces of silver into the temple. He departed and went and hanged himself. Why? Uh, because he was overwhelmed at the mess that he created and he saw no way out. Um, as we look at that, it's, it's just an awful picture of what happens uh, and many times in sin and desperation. We go on, and I'll just kind of summarize his last verses, a couple of things. They take this money. They won't put it in the treasury. Why? Because it's dirty money. You, you've had situations like this before. You've had a possession or something like that, and it was an ugly, it was worth something, but because of where it came from, you just say, just get rid of it. Just get rid of it. That's from my ex-husband or my ex-wife, or that comes from... Uh, uh, a, a family member who hated us or didn't walk with God, and you just say, just get it out of here. That's what Judas tried to do. He pitches it. Uh, they say, we don't want it, and so they take it and they buy a field uh, for those who would not have a place to be buried. And connecting that, it's uh, once again, Matthew records that that comes from uh, a prophetic thing in the book of Jeremiah that Jeremiah had spoken of this, that this is what would happen. Judas, uh, we look at him as a, a failure as well. Uh, we just looked at this. He saw that it wasn't worth it. He ended up hanging himself. And you see this, that this is a, I, I call it a failure of faith, but the reality was that Judas had never trusted in the Savior. He had never trusted in this new king. We see him in various times and various places coming up with the wrong answer. Not just the wrong answer that the others came up with, but looking for greed, looking for self, looking for opportunity for him to get a better place. And even in this, he sold uh, this connection with Jesus for these 30 pieces of silver and what did it leave him? It left him empty and despairing, even to death. Some have suggested, because of the word repentant, that maybe even Judas was saved. I don't believe that's true. If you look over John chapter 13, uh, verse 10, it says this. Uh, we looked at, this is um, from the Last Supper. And it, Judas thir uh, John 13, 10 says this. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed, and he's talking about feet washing, um, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, uh, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but then he says this, but not every one of you. And verse 11 tells us why he said that, for he knew who was uh, to betray him, and that's why he said, not all of you are clean. I, I don't, um, as I look at the scripture, not that it matters my opinion, but that Judas was never clean, clean, cleansed of his sins. He never had trusted in uh, the Savior. And so uh, he goes into a Christless eternity. Um, that's my understanding. A few things just to tie up our time. I realize I've gone long. Sorry. Not that sorry, but sorry nonetheless. As sorry as I get for things. Um, 
a few things to tie this up and to think in terms of your own failure, okay? So as you look at Peter and Judas, you realize those are two different guys and their failings looked a lot the same. They looked a lot the same, but uh, there's a difference in them. First of all, uh, some things for us to remember. Weakness is in all of us. Weakness is in all of us. There were, they were both failures. They were both failures. Some of us look at Peter and we go, I would never do that. And we look at Judas and we say, I would never do that. And I want to tell you, apart from the work of Christ and his spirit controlling you, you will do very similar failings to them. Weaknesses in all of us. Number two, humble dependence is the way to handle all things. Humble dependence is the way to handle all things. Trusting in yourself will always end up bad eventually. Some of you think, well, I, I know people who do this all the time, and they're, they seem like they're doing just fine. It's interesting. If you look at the end, uh, there's rarely a sense of victorious over the finish line, and definitely not with the Lord. Humility, uh, humble dependence is the way to handle all things. Um, and the last thing I want to say is this. Failure does not mean it's fatal. Failure does not mean it's fatal. Um, like I said before, when you look at Peter, you, it's amazing. It's amazing to me that he denied Christ on the show, the showcase stand, right? He, he, they, they put the lights on him. Matthew's recording. The, the, the camera's rolling. They, they got their cell phones out. They're taking pictures. Uh, they're videoing him. This is what he said. He denied him. It, it's, he's nailed. It's true. It happened. And that same guy, that same guy, Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. I want to tell you, uh, you don't go serve the Lord on the basis of your own record of excellence. You, you serve the Lord on the basis of the grace of our Savior, that he went to the cross. He's going to go to the cross in just a few verses, right? He's, he's heading that way. Why, uh, why can we say that we serve the Savior? Because of what he has done, not because of what we have done. Failure does not need to be fatal. I want to say this too in that, that because you failed, because you failed, it doesn't mean that you should serve God in the sense that, oh, you know, I, I failed and I know the bad ways to go. And it's not about you. If you failed, if you failed, as God works in your life, he can restore you to great service for him. Okay. But I also want to tell you this on the other side of that. If you failed, if you failed, it should not be fatal. Some people uh, do this thing where one failure deserves another failure and really deserves seven more, right? And they slip into this depression and they say, oh, I've done this awful thing and God can't love me and this, my life is over and it ends up in despairing drugs uh, ruining lives and the lives of others and sometimes even taking one's own life. I want to tell you, that is a plot of the enemy. That, uh, that because you have failed, because you have failed, it does not need to be fatal. In fact, God can use you greatly as he restores you by his grace. God, thank you for this morning, uh, the many blessings of being in your word. And God, as we 
consider our own failings, Lord. I pray that you would not allow us to slip in the despair of our own hearts, but rather that it would be covered with the grace of the gospel, the gospel of your son Jesus who went to the cross on our behalf. God, may this drive our church and that we would serve you faithfully, not because we're great, but because uh, we've been forgiven of great things and that you are great and that you do your work in the midst of people that are broken and damaged goods. Uh, God, we thank you for your grace in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. You are dismissed.